Dusty, what's the one book you can always find in our car when we're on a trip? Honestly, Mike, it is usually a Moon travel guide. That's right. Moon is our favorite travel guidebook publisher because not only are they a source for ethical travel and the best ways to get away, but their books also are packed full of information on everything from sites to see, trails to hike, restaurants, and lodging, all from real authors who are local to the areas they're writing about. That's right. And we're so excited that this year we are again partnering with Moon Travel Guides. Ready to cross something off your travel bucket list in 2024? Have a lot of great ideas for trips, but don't know how to get started or keep your itinerary organized? Wherever your wanderings might take you or inspire you to go, Moon Travel has you covered. Moon Travel is the travel guidebook publisher for ethical travel. Don't spend months trying to craft the perfect getaway when you can do it all with Moon. Whether you're headed abroad, planning to take to the open road, or want to wander the trails of a national park, make sure to pack a Moon Travel Guide with you. Through the end of 2024, our listeners can get 20% off any Moon Travel Guide when they use the code GAZE20 at checkout. That's amazing. And that is code GAZE24, G-A-Z-E-2-4 for 20% off any Moon travel guide in Moon's entire library. And that is just for our listeners, and you cannot find that anywhere else. Be sure to visit Moon.com. Head to our show notes and check it out and see Moon's entire collection of travel guidebooks. Hello and welcome to a very special episode of Gaze at the National Parks, the podcast. I'm Dusty. And I'm Mike. That's right. It is a very special episode because this week is National Parks Week. Yes, it's National Parks Week. Mm -hmm. It's a week for us to celebrate all things related to and about the NPS and the park units that it manages. They have created these themed days that go along with National Parks Week. We banded together with a bunch of different National Parks podcasts and blogs last year at this time to all celebrate together. They have days like Friendship Friday, Junior Ranger Day, Military Monday, Throwback Thursday. Right. Um, right. So exactly. every day there's something different to celebrate. Mm-hmm. And we did all of that on social media last year because right. of the pandemic. Everything was closed. Everything <laughs> right. was closed at that time. Right. So, right. so we, we did celebrated. a virtual celebration of we the did. national parks. We so. did. Today's episode is all about the seven leave no trace principles. Exactly. Okay, so let's talk about leave no trace. Let's. Have, we've said that phrase all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's like a phrase that is commonly heard throughout national parks. And I think in just in like if you're in, in, the, in outdoors. the outdoor industry or outdoors in general, like that's a phrase you hear a lot. Right. Right. And What does leave no trace mean to you? Basically, you leave only footprints. You take nothing but memories and leave only footprints. I think that's also a very common sort of, you know, um, phraseology that you see. So the idea is that you pack in and pack out whatever you're taking into the park, whatever you you take it back out. You're not leaving anything and you're not taking anything from that space. You are a visitor to an environment that is not your own. And so you're going to behave like a visitor. Like I don't come to your apartment and throw shit around. Yes, you do. Constantly. <laughs> constantly. I'm constantly picking up things mm-hmm. behind you. Because I'm just a drunk toddler. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel similarly to what you're saying. Mm -hmm. However, after looking a little deeper into leave no trace, the phrase where it came from, and that it's connected to the seven leave no trace principles, and where those were developed, actually, there's a way to like, not even leave footprints. That I found to be fascinating. Oh, 
And so today, (laughs) I know, like, be a ghost, (laughs) right? right? So today we're going to dive into the seven leave no trace principles, what they are, what they mean, but also where they came from. The phrase leave no trace has acted as a guidepost to how we interact in the outdoors. Mm -hmm. But that phrase is connected to not only the seven leave no trace principles, but also the Leave No Trace Center for Outdoor Ethics. Which I wasn't aware of until you told me about this for this episode. Until we started Mm -hmm. digging into the research. Yep. The Leave No Trace Center for Outdoor Ethics is a nonprofit organization that is working diligently to protect our parks. Yes, you can make a donation. You can become a member. You can give monthly. You can make a varying amount of gifts to the Leave No Trace Center for Outdoor Ethics. You can find all of their information at lnt.org. All of the information we're sharing with you today is from their website. They do a lot of really impressive work, but one thing that they do consistently is Leave No Trace education. So many outdoor places through LNT provide leave no trace training or leave no trace educational opportunities. After reading into that, I was like, I would love like a deep dive, like all day workshop on that. And when things are open again and we can gather, you know, or even uh, virtually, I, you know, things I need to look into. Yeah. I think too, just from as both of us as educators that like, you know, raises my educator antenna. And I'm just like, that's a great like life lesson kids should learn um, at an early age and And, throughout uh they have so many initiatives right now where they are providing leave no trace education for adults but also specifically for kids that's awesome so it's really great they're also they have another initiative about citizen science about how citizens can actively participate in like monitoring the environment and how to report it and so There's a lot happening there. And we highly encourage you to go to their website and check it out because um, they're doing the good work. Wow. And they're helping. And like, think about it, like just through education and just through our own practices, the amount of conservation and the amount of impact that we can have in the environment, it's something that doesn't require like an unbelievable amount of resources in order to do that. Yeah. That's what I think is super cool about the Leave No Trace Center for Outdoor Ethics. So now let's get into the seven principles of Leave No Trace. This is directly from the Leave No Trace Center for Outdoor Ethics. The organization accomplishes its mission by providing innovative education, skills, and research to help people care for the outdoors. By working with the public and those managing public lands, the Leave No Trace Center for Outdoor Ethics focuses on educating people instead of costly restoration programs or access restrictions as the most effective and least resource-intensive solution to land protection. And that's an amazing attitude and an amazing way to view how we care for the outdoors. You know, monitoring yourself and monitoring your practices rather than having to come in and like throw money at something. That's right. Yeah. So let's get in to the first of the seven principles. The first principle is to plan ahead and prepare. Okay, so... Currently, how do we plan ahead and prepare? Well, I check the weather 
1,000 times before we leave. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We also make sure that we know, you know, in the like 10,000 foot view of something, we're planning the trip from kind of start to finish with some loose ends here and there so we can do some things that we didn't anticipate. We are planning what we need to bring clothing wise. We're planning what we need to bring food wise. If we're camping, you know, what sort of things we're going to need to require there equipment wise. Once we get there and once we're doing a thing, Um, Whether it's hiking or camping, there definitely is some planning like pre-hiking, like what we're taking with us, like what sort of bag do we have to then take refuge, like refuse back out so that we're not just leaving things. We're sort of like planning all of that, like from a very like specified lens at that point, because we're there. That's right. And typically the majority of our interaction in a national park outdoor space is most of the time not camping Mm -hmm. so far. Right. It has been like, we enter the space, we hike all around, and then we leave. Mm -hmm. A lot of these principles apply to like extended stay. Sure. Here are seven elements to consider when planning a trip from lnt.org. Identify and record the goals and expectations of your trip. Identify the skill and ability of trip participants. Gain knowledge of the area you plan to visit from land managers, maps, and literature. Choose equipment and clothing for comfort, safety, and leave no trace qualities. Plan trip activities to match your goals, skills, and abilities. Evaluate your trip upon return. Note changes you will make next time. I feel like we do most of those things. I think we do too. Yeah. Here's something else that I thought was really great, which is um, they give some examples of poor trip planning. (laughs) Here's an example from lnt.org. Quote, a poorly prepared group may plan to cook meals over a campfire only to discover upon arrival at their destination that a fire ban is in effect or that firewood is in scarce supply. Such groups often build a fire anyway, breaking the law or impacting the land simply because they have not planned for alternatives. Fire bans and scarce wood supplies are signs that the area is experiencing the cumulative effects of heavy recreation use. End quote. There are some things to think about. They give a lot more examples here on lnt.org, and we hope that you will take a look. Let's move on to principle number two, which is travel and camp on durable surfaces. So a lot of this speaks to traveling on trails and not going off trail. And if you've listened to our show at all before, we talk a lot about this, especially when hiking in desert environments, because there are microbial patches that take hundreds of years to grow sometimes that help to support life in the desert ecosystem that if you step on them, you're irreparably damaging them. And that causes a giant impact on that environment, on the plants and animals in that environment, and on the park itself as a whole. So there is such an importance to staying on the trail. And we've been in parks before, and I'm sure you have if you've traveled, where there are these desire paths that a lot of the times are on switchbacks, where it's like, oh, well, I you know, could go up to the corner and then go back up, or I could just simply go straight up here. And it's really important, even if you see a desire path like that, that's most likely not something that was created as a proper trail. Ignore that and follow the trail as it is made. That's right. Um, and that's such an important, simple thing to, to do. And the other thing to consider here is that a lot of people think like going off trail means, oh, I'm going to just like leave the trail and explore. Going off trail also includes like, I'm going to walk off trail and go to the restroom. Right. Or I'm going to find somewhere to like sit down off trail. All of these things are part of going off trail and hiking on surfaces that are not durable. Mm -hmm. This principle also speaks to camping on durable surfaces. Right. 
something that we discovered here that we wanted to share was, quote, when breaking camp, take time to naturalize the site. Covering scuffed areas with native materials, such as pine needles, brushing out footprints, and raking matted grassy areas with a stick will help the site recover and make it less obvious as a campsite. This extra effort will help hide any indication where you camped and make it less likely that other backcountry travelers will camp in the same spot. The less often a pristine campsite is used, the better chance it has of remaining pristine. So this talks specifically to backcountry hiking or backpack camping. Something they talk about a lot is like making sure that you set up camp in the daylight because it's so much easier to totally throw off an ecosystem by being there. Like if you set up camp in the middle of the night when you can't see much. Right. So always setting camp up in the light so that you can see everything and, and then naturalizing it again, because if humans see other footprints, that's where desire paths start. Right. If you are camping in a site that does have designated campsite spaces, then use the site spaces as they're intended to be used. Like camp on the gravel pads. If there's a gravel pad, like go where you're told because otherwise you're further impacting the environment of that campsite. That is an already designated campsite. That's right. So you want to make sure that you're you're following through with the regulations there and really ensuring that you are making the best use of the space and doing that not just for yourself, but for the environment there. Let's move on to principle number three, which is dispose of waste properly. This All seems right. like a no-brainer. It seems like a no-brainer. Right. Obviously, never leave garbage ever. Right. You have to take that with you. Yes. That includes things that you think will just biodegrade, like apple cores or banana peels. No. No, no, no. Things you cannot leave. No. You cannot leave your pistachio shells. No. These are things that must be taken with you. And a lot of that is not just because it is bad practice and it could encourage others to, but because wildlife will then find those things and eat them. Yeah. And when that happens, it gets them used to looking for food that might be left by campers or travelers or hikers. And it doesn't help them to find food in their natural state and their natural habitat without that human interference. That's right. It is called a visitor center for a reason. We are visitors to Mm -hmm. this space at all times. Yes. So we can't talk about this principle without talking about poop. Right. We got to talk about poop. Right. Which involves pooping in the woods. (laughs) If you got to poop in the woods, what do you do? Mm-hmm. All right. We did talk about this on our camping episode. We did. Back in March. Can I say Leave No Trace goes, lit- dives deep into what to do about poop. Mm-hmm. And I did learn a lot here. If you can't dispose of human waste properly, you have to pack it out. So like if you're in like a river basin and you have to poop, like you can't, no, there is no, you cannot leave your poop there. Mm-mm. There are certain areas of land where you cannot like get far enough away from water to bury it. So you have to take it with you. There's so many lovely, wonderful products available to you that you can get to help you do that. Look into those. But another major thing is cat holes. Right. Here is something I was thinking about. Now, we haven't actually, we've not had to, we've no. not ever had to poop in nature. It'll no. it'll come for us one day. <laughs> well. Yes, it will. It will. But because um, we've been able to utilize the bathrooms or the pit toilets that have been around. Right. Right. So something that they talk about a lot here well, is I, that. I have had to poop in nature before. Well, you have. Right. I haven't. Right. 
Well, not it, and on our travels. No, on my own travels. Yeah, on your great. own travels. Yeah, Think on my own travels. Before too. I knew what to do. Right. Too. Absolutely. Yeah. So, cat holes. Say, you know, you and a group are camping in this one area, backpack camping, and you have to go off into the woods to poop. Mm-hmm. You should not just dig one cat hole and everybody poop in the same cat hole. <laughs> you have to, you have to dig. Separate separate ones, and they have to be widespread apart. Right. And it's also good if they are in the sunlight because they will decompose faster Mm -hmm. and use as little toilet paper as possible. Right. And if you can't fully bury it, you have to take it out with you. Mm -hmm. So. Things to consider. Things to consider. Mm -hmm. Urine is less harmful to the environment. It's better if you can urinate on a rock or pine needles sometimes it attracts animals but it's also probably better to not all urinate in the same area right one other thing to consider too if you're camping when you're working to wash things how to dispose of your gray water and just being mindful of that and not just dumping it anywhere you may have to pack that out with you um, you have to dump it far away from any right. water source depending like if you're on like a rafting trip you might not be able to do that so these are things right. that might have to be considered but um, if you need to like shower or bathe or anything like that, you really need to be mindful of any sort of lotion or um, soap that is going to be harmful to the environment because it really can screw up an ecosystem. They recommend if you need to get water from a water source, get it, walk 200 feet away and use it mm-hmm. rather than like dousing yourself into the lake to take a bath. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to the next principle, which is leave what you find. All right. So there's a lot here. And let's just jump in with one thing that they really highlight. And that is like carving your name into a freaking tree. Or worse, carving the your initials and that person you're dating, their initials into a tree when you're like 17 and then you break mm-hmm. up a month later. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm sorry. No love is strong enough to express it by carving out something on a tree. Mm-hmm. That did not ask that from you. Mm-hmm. That um, infuriates me yeah. so hard. Like whenever we're walking along and like I see that, I literally just like, it will ruin my day. Mm-hmm. Because I'm like, why do people think that they have the right to just carve anything into This tree, this tree didn't ask this of you. Right. Remember too that bark is the protective layer of that tree. By carving into the bark, you are actually exposing the wood, which is more vulnerable to the elements, to pests. There are plenty of bark beetles and things like that that are already attacking trees all across North America. Mm -hmm. You don't need to add to the fervor that is already out there because of invasive species. You know what? I have I have a solution. (laughs) Okay. If you everyone if you want to metamorphosizes well in a Kafka. (laughs) If you want to communicate Mm -hmm. to someone that you love that you Mm -hmm. love them, Mm -hmm. you could use words. (laughs) <laughs> you could use words that you say right. out loud or mm-hmm. or a lovely note or right. you could say vows. Mm-hmm. Your actions could say that you love them. Right. Right. Um and actions that don't um harm another living thing. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. right? And also just no one cares about your relationship. Sorry about it. I don't care. <laughs> when I walk through there and I see that like Tina loves Tom, I'm like, I don't give a shit about Tina mm-hmm. and Tom, especially if they carve their name into the right. tree. Like get your name out of that tree's bark. Mm-hmm. No, thank you. Mm-hmm. Another thing that's a really big uh, part of leave what you find is literally not taking anything with you. And whether that is an artifact from nature or whether that is an actual cultural artifact from For example, let's say you stumble upon something that has been unearthed that no one had noticed before and you just happen to see there's an arrowhead or some other sort of cultural artifact that's to be left um, in that space. By taking something from nature, like some flowers or anything like that, you're impacting the environment that's there. So it really, honestly... You know what we do? We take a ton of photographs and that's what we take. Oh my God. We take a ton of photographs. The best thing to do. The other thing we do is we sit and be present. Exactly. With what's around us Mm -hmm. and we remember it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like I'll take that with me, you know, until I can't remember anymore. You know what I mean? Right. But you know what I forget instantly? Tina and Tom on the tree. Right. I just know. Thank you. You just mentioned them again. I know. I've never seen that on a tree. I just came up with that right now, but right. you know what I mean. Let's move on to our next principle, which is number five, which is minimizing campfire impacts. We've stayed at a number of KOA campsites, mm-hmm. which are not typically on preserved land. Right. And those often have fire pits. Mm-hmm. Sometimes in, you know, on trails, where people backpack, there's often dedicated space for backpackers right, to like camp, shelters and shelters things like and things like that. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of questions to actually consider when you are thinking about, should I build a fire? And here are some questions that Leave No Trace gives us. What is the fire danger for the time of year and the location that you have selected? Are there administrative restrictions from the agency that manages the area? Is there sufficient wood so its removal will not be noticeable? Does the harshness of alpine and desert growing conditions for trees and shrubs mean that the regeneration of wood sources cannot keep pace with the demand for firewood? Do group members possess the skills to build a campfire that will leave no trace? All important things and really important things to consider also are to use fire rings that are already in existence to ensure that if you are, you know, gathering wood for a fire, it's not more, you're not taking more than you need to and that you are are scattering that wood back after you're done with the fire if it's unused and to really ensure that you, you know, if you don't need to build a fire to cook, you know, maybe you have a jet boil stove that you can utilize so that a fire isn't even necessary. But it really is important, especially if you think about all of the wildfires that have taken place across the West in the past years, across other parts of the world. If you don't need to, you know, create a campfire or create a situation that could lead to something that's more dangerous, maybe don't. Um, also, if you... um insist upon having a party to reveal the gender of your child, um, maybe don't use explosives. Or maybe just don't do that at all. Or what is gender? better, just don't do it at all. Right. Because gender, it, unless you're going to reveal a pitcher of water and say that gender is fluid, I don't know why to do it at all. <laughs> because, honey, that gender is fluid. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about our next principle, which is respecting wildlife. 
Now, this Ooh, is... Oh, I could do this mm, all day. Yeah. I mean, could. I do respect wildlife yeah. all day. <laughs> I could respect the <laughs> shit out of wildlife could, all day. all day. Um, so, no, but this is one that seems to make complete and utter common sense. But too often are we seeing news articles or videos on YouTube where people have invaded the space of a wild animal and then are tossed like rag dolls by the animal and then that animal might need to be put down because oh, of it's it. terrible. Because it's of the actions of someone who wanted to get close enough or needed to get that photo. You get know a what? telephoto lens and this shut is, your mouth. Exactly. This is this is my sort of this is my own personal theory on this, right? I feel like people go into nature and they see a beautiful animal that they don't see in real life all the time and they suddenly think that they are very special and that they are an animal whisperer and that somehow that they can't write mm-hmm. that and they make that sound mm-hmm. and that somehow they have some sort of connection to this animal or this animal has happened upon them and there's some sort of bond that they have formed spiritually. No, no, honey, that did not happen to you. And um, you are not an animal whisperer. Mm-hmm. Like we need to all just no longer think that. Right. So um, if that animal walked up to you, then you need to give it space. Right. It's not asking to engage with you. Right. If you are dying to engage with animals, that's why we have domesticated animals. And right. there are so many that need homes. Yes. So yes, we uh, totally. Like, I hope that you do provide homes for those animals, right. but wild animals stay wild. Right. And we are visitors to their wild spaces. Exactly. Furthermore, wild animals may be sick. Um, wild animals may be hungry. Um, you don't know what is going on with an animal. So if you approach it, you are basically walking into the unknown. That is not a great space to be when it comes to a wild animal in their own environment. We um, were, we've encountered a lot of wild animals. We have, on we've trails. Hap- literally happened upon them. We've had mule deer that have literally mule stumbled deer, out of shrubs black and arches. Bears. A baby deer that um, like was right let's near Let's talk pe- about that table. baby deer, yeah. right? Okay, so let's be real. Baby deer are adorable, right? They're the cutest damn things like right. one could ever see. And if you are lucky enough to see one, they are so pretty. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that part of you is like, I just want to pet the baby deer. Uh, no, girl, don't do that, mm-hmm. right? So we were sitting on... A picnic there, table. It was a picnic table. In, in like high Ca- grass. In Cuyahoga Valley National Park. Mm-hmm. And then... You were like, oh. I hear, I heard something. You heard it bleeding, yes. right? That's bleeding. the sound, bleeding, yes. right? And then we looked and there it was. So we were like, oh, we wonder why there's a baby deer here, right? right? Now, if we were to have seen like a house cat, like wandering around, okay, well, then maybe we might have been like, okay, this house cat doesn't belong out here. We need to figure out how to get this house cat to a safe place because the wild is not a place for a house cat. Mm-mm. Unless it's Milo or Otis. Can't remember which one. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't even say no. Not even them, right? Or were they oh, raised no, in the it wild? Wasn't. No, it wasn't a safe space for them. No, it wasn't. We had to get them back. We had to get them out. But right? they were friends. They did it together. <laughs> they did it together. Mm-hmm. They helped each other. Mm-hmm. So one could easily apply that same logic. Sure. Like, oh, why is this baby deer here by itself? Should I like go bring it to a park ranger? Mm-hmm. No, you should not. You should mm-hmm. not bring this to a park ranger. No. We did not know why Baby Deer was sitting there in this high grass. But instead of like 
trying to get close to it. We were like, no, we this isn't our space. We're just going to assume this is what's supposed to happen. Later in our own research, we found out that during the springtime, that mm-hmm. is when mama goes hunting. That's well, that's when foraging. mamas often have their baby right. deer and they leave them in high grass so that nobody can find them right. and they go off hunting and they bring food back to them, but they're gone all day. Right. So mama deer is out and around hunting for food to come back to baby deer right here in this tall, tall right. grass. Mm-hmm. I actually laugh at the atrocity that would be us trying to like move a baby. Like, why would we ever do that? Mm -mm. That's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. But yeah, don't touch animals. Let's talk about our last principle, which is be considerate of other visitors. Oh, so like wearing a mask right now during pandemic times. Sure. I would include that here. Yeah. The wonderful thing about the outdoors is that they are a space for everyone. That goes without saying that because it's a space for everyone, we have to leave that space for everyone and really be considerate of those that are around us. For the most part, we really haven't had too many issues with this when we've been on the trail. But now, especially when it comes to pandemic, even though being outside is better and not as you know dangerous, it still is recommended to wear a mask when you're on a tight trail well, or right where you're, now yeah right now yeah officially the guy in the national parks yes. is yes, yes you have to wear a mask yep. at all times mm-hmm. within that first hundred days for the on all federal lands mm-hmm. and national parks are included here's another thing that we've encountered before which is encountering someone who's lost mm-hmm. if you happen upon someone who was lost you are now a resource to them so that means they are now joining your group Mm-hmm. And so these it's are happened to us. it happened to us. Mm-hmm. These are things you have to think about as like if you're out on a trail or even on a steep trail like we were and someone was lost, it's like, okay, great. Well, that person needs to stay with you then. Yeah. So we can all get to a safe place and maybe reconnect them with their group of people. Right. Or you can then bring them to a park ranger who can help them. That's something else about being considerate of other people. Because mm-hmm. when we are out and in wild spaces, we also have to help each other out. Yeah. Help take responsibility for each other. Also, things to think about. You're walking through and a group of people are not versed in leave no trace anything and just leave all their trash. You saw it. You have to be responsible. Mm -hmm. Right? You got to get that trash out of there. You can't leave it there. Yeah. Right? Consideration of others is multifaceted and comes from a lot of different angles. Yeah. It's always a great idea to have some extra plastic bags with you so you can pick things up. We picked up beer cans in Cuyahoga Valley. We picked up so many beer cans. So many beer cans. Or having gloves if you don't feel comfortable picking things up. Again, when we were recently in Catoctin Mountain, it was early pandemic and we weren't really sure what we should and shouldn't pick up. So since then, we've sort of adopted the policy of having hand sanitizer with us. So having hand sanitizer in an extra trash bag is a great policy to have. So that way you can help um, to leave no trace for someone else who may have forgotten to. Let's end this very special episode with a game. Great. So we're going to play the $10,000 pyramid of seven leave no trace oh great we've never done this before we're going to see how it goes it's going to be sort of rapid fire what i'm going to be doing is giving you clues and you're going to need to guess the thing i'm trying you to get they will either have the word seven in them or leave and so and are you giving clues one at a time we're going to play like when they were at like the tables with their celebrity 
host before they move to the pyramid round. So I'm going to be trying to get you to guess. And again, your clues will all deal with the word seven or leave. I'm ready. Great. This Disney film that Walt Disney mortgages house to ensure was completed. Oh my God, I don't know. It features a princess in a glass coffin. Sleeping, not Sleeping Beauty. No. It's not Sleeping Beauty. It's, oh, I don't know. What's Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs? Oh, the Seven Dwarfs. Good Lord. Um, Okay, great. uh, A game that you might play in middle school where you were locked in a closet with someone um, who you had a crush on. Oh, God. No, trauma. Seven minutes in heaven. (laughs) No, thank you. It was terrible. Not a good game. Don't play that game. Um, (laughs) This is a song by JoJo where she's trying to get someone. Get out right now. Leave. That's right. Mm -hmm. Leave in parentheses. Excellent. Um, This is a song by um, Fleetwood Mac, and it's sung in the finale of Coven. Seven Wonders. Mm -hmm. Um, This is um, a phrase that you might say if you were British and you were very confused, and it deals with numbers. Oh. uh, 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 Or you were out of sorts. I'm I'm seven all over the place. I'm seven all over the place. (laughs) I don't know. What is to be sixes and sevens? Oh, okay. Um, This is um, a an alternative um, to slice or sprite. Seven up. That's great. Um, This is um, a song that you might have heard Ben Affleck sing to Liv Tyler at the. Uh, at, in Armageddon when they were trying to like oh, leave. Um, um, uh, leave it on a jet plane. That's right. That's right. Um, this is um, if I if I hit you really hard, I would what? Uh, knock the wind out of me. No, I know, no. I don't know. I would leave a mark. Oh, okay. Oh, God. <laughs> don't hit other people, everybody. <laughs> Keep going. Um, this is a Marilyn Monroe movie, but it also is... Seven what? Year Itch. Yes. Okay. Um, this is a show about a Christian pastor father and all of his Seventh kids. Heaven. <laughs> this is um, a television show that was set in a neighborhood and it was centered around a young boy character. Um, and Leave uh, it to Beaver. That's correct. Um, this is something that you go on if you're pregnant. Uh, the... Um Oh, God. When you're no longer at work. Oh, oh, a maternity leave. Okay, this is something that, like, sailors do when they um, maybe come into New York for Fleet Week. Oh, I was going to say sail the seven seas. Mm-mm. No, I don't know. They have shore leave. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> um, and this is something that would, like, if um, you would ask me to help you move, and then I just couldn't do it anymore, um, and I'd be like, sorry, like, last minute, I would be doing this. Oh, leaving me... Uh, uh, in the dark. No. Leaving me leaving me high and dry. No, I mean, yeah, that would work, yeah. but also in the lurch. Oh, leaving me in the lurch. Yeah, sure. <laughs> in okay, the lurch. Lurch. <laughs> lurch. This has been a very special episode of Gaze at the National Parks, the podcast. And we're here to remind you to hike early and hike often. And adventure is always out there. And to leave no trace. Always forever. Gaze at the National Parks was created and is hosted by Dustin Ballard and Michael Ryan. To see images from this episode, follow our Instagram at Gaze at the National Parks. To contact us, email us at gazeatthenationalparks at gmail.com. And to find out more about the parks visited on the show, visit our website, gazeatthenationalparks.com. That's gaze, G-A-Z-E. 
All original artwork featured on Instagram and on our website was created by me, Michael Ryan. All original music was created by Dave Seaman and performed by Dave Seaman, Mariella Klinger, and Sean Sklios. Our music producer is Skylar Fortgang. This episode was edited by me, Dustin Ballard. We would also like to acknowledge that while recording this episode, that we were on the traditional and stolen lands of the Lenape people, also known as Middlesex County, New Jersey. Thank you.